Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I'm joined by John Lombardi, stage and road manager, lighting tech, and Goose co-founder, Coach, as he is known in the music world, has been deeply invested in the scene for the past two decades. Since his first tab show at Radio City Music Hall in 2002, John's dedication to music has allowed him to see hundreds of shows with Fish, Panic, and several Grateful Dead iterations at the top of the list. He can occasionally be seen sitting in with Goose on Rainstick. Coach, say hi. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How we doing? What's up, Ryan? Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to be able to sit down and talk Fish with you and meet you. I'm, I'm such a fan. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is awesome. I'm, I mean, so many of us are fans. That's why we're here doing this. And... Uh, you know, you kind of got me to to dive back into a phenomenal part of my life, uh, so I appreciate that. Yes, and this episode we'll be discussing the Jam Titan Ghost. Um, you have picked uh, the the legendary It Festival version, uh, and I picked uh, the Alpharetta 2018 version. Why don't you talk a little about a little bit about? I know you have a lot to say about the It Festival. Thank you. It's funny, our versions, I just realized, uh, 15 years apart, both, I think, uh, August 3rd, just yeah. 03 and 18. I mean, what? There's, there's quite a bit to say. I mean, it was a very special time, uh, and especially for me and what, what ended up happening later in my life. It was definitely like a huge pivot point for me. I think without it... Um, you know, without me having gone to it and the shows I did before that and whatnot, I don't think I could say I don't think there'd be a goose. Like I wouldn't have gotten so into uh, this uh, these boys from Vermont up here that are the best best band out there ever. But uh, before even it, I mean, 2.0 as a as a you know as a whole was a very 
awesome era, especially the 2003 part of 2.0. I feel like it's not talked about as much, and it's just one of these quintessential uh, moments in in Fish's history. Um, And unlike other bands, Fish has so many, you know, unique, different moments from, you know, that 91, you get the 88 Roma stuff, you got, you know, and that type of rudimental fish and the really good, awesome stuff. And them growing from like the 91 stuff, you got 93 fish, you know, them hopping into the garden, 95, you got 97 where they destroy America. 98 is kind of the funktastic fest, you know, 99, 2000, they did their thing. And 2.0, it's a, you know, it's a very, I thought it was a, it was a really cool period in, in fish times. And, uh, it was a very interesting time for me to get into it, uh, to have it all go away. But yeah. When was your first show? My first show, the boys was, uh, 22803 at Nassau Coliseum. Oh, it was, uh, absolute, absolute gem of a show. What a show to be your first. Yeah. It was really. Did you know. Um, what was it like? I'm assuming you didn't know the story behind the Destiny Unbound bust out at the time, but what was it like being in the building and watch everyone lose their shit and not really know? Oh man, so it's uh, it's really funny you say that. So I'm just sitting there, you know, uh, 15 sitting there, and and I'm I'm real stoked. Birds of a Feather was an awesome opener. Uh, we're on the floor actually, like 50 50 rows back for that first set. And then all of a sudden I see, you know, I hear the opening notes to, to Destiny and you see grown men, you know, hugging each other, people kissing each other, you know, <laughs> people jumping up and down, people, people crying. And uh, I was like, yo, what's going on to my buddy, <laughs> my buddy Adam Grossman. And so I was like, yo man, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. And uh, I later asked my other friend, Eric Skiba, and he was like, they haven't played that in like hundreds and hundreds of shows. And I was like, That's oh man. crazy. But you know, it took me until, it took me until 3.0 and uh, you know, having seen songs that I was chasing, like, you know, seeing a fuck your face for the first time. And what I think it was Charlotte in 2010 being like, wow, that hadn't been played for so long or really like up until the Baker's dozen when like I, I, the only song I really had left to chase and wanted to see was Isabella and mm. just didn't think it would happen at all. And, you know, it was just a great feeling. And, and I always at those moments flash back to uh, a young John sitting in Nassau Coliseum watching all these guys cry or women awesome. and, you know, everybody embracing. So at the time, no, I had no idea. I was like, what's going on? All right. So <laughs> what was your, what was your first impression of, of that tweezer? Oh man, that tweezer that night was unbelievable. Uh, it was I, at that point I was uh, we'd left the floor for that set and one met up with a bunch of my buddies and uh, especially my two friends Eric and Brian Skiba who got me into fish. Some of the people and and uh, and Ian Harleman and uh, and it was great to be around him. And I was like, I remember when it drifted type two, and at that point, not necessarily knowing what type two was, but I was like, wow, they're just completely in a whole nother structure and doing a whole nother thing right now. And I, and I love it. My buddy Eric was like, that's the point, man, you know, and it was, it was awesome. That was great. So, so my, my first show, I didn't have a crazy bust out or crazy long jam. My first show was uh, blossom 2012, uh, June 24th. And I was uh, 11 and a half at the the time. Um, Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah. How, so yeah. How, do you have like fond memories being that young at the show? Oh yeah, it was it was phenomenal. So my my dad got me into the band um, when I was really young. Like it was after he went to Super Bowl uh, in twenty eleven, and the Super Bowl Reba. First time I heard that, I was like, "What is this band? I love it." <laughs> that was a great Reba. Yeah, and I was listening to uh, growing up. I listened to like the Dead. Like when I was five years old, um, when I was going to day camp. They were like, bring your favorite CD and we'll play it on the bus. So kids are bringing like kids pop, whatever. I brought the Europe 72 box set. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the most Ted five-year-old out there. Just like, yeah, yeah what's up, everybody? You know, you got to listen to this. Uh, so, the China ride. Like, <laughs> the Stella Blues. Let me tell you, dude, it's really. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, you know, seeing fish at 11 and a half was crazy. And that was also a show where. There was like crazy meat stick shenanigans where they brought like 10 people on stage to do the dance and it was teased throughout the show. And it was just like, I just remember it was such a crazy night and I, I, I loved it. Oh, loved I'm, it. I'm sure that's great. It's cool to hear perspectives of someone that saw it, uh, saw it young, you know, and, and it yeah. really stuck. That's awesome. I mean, that, yeah. that the year before in Oh two, when I saw Trey at the, uh, at Radio City, I'll, I'll never forget the whole show. But like, really, at the end, I think it was a, a, a live, uh, <clears throat> a live again was the encore, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, they had passed out like a bunch of uh, like maracos and tambourines, and like all these people, including the band, like walked out of Radio City while playing at the end, and it was just pretty iconic. And like, That's I was, awesome. I was like, who is this guy on guitar? Like, I gotta. <laughs> I got to get going to this stuff, you know? I got to go join his cult. Yeah. I mean, uh, where we grew up, uh, everybody was kind of into the dead and fish. And uh, so I'd gotten, you know, started getting tapes and stuff in like sixth grade and, and stuff like that. And then trading CDs and people were all up on Napster and burning stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, s most of these kids' dads have like box sets. So they're just ripping them onto cds back in the cd days and you know boom you're all of a sudden listen you know submerged into it so it was cool going from just listening to it to actually experiencing the shows and and feeling like what it was like to be there live really see corotas lights on you live um yeah. and just feel the community aspect of it which is something you don't really get and especially pre-internet days you know or Internet was around, but pre like every second on your phone, internet days, where now everybody can express their feelings instantaneously almost, you know, not almost, definitely, you know. And back then, you know, you'd walk in and there's a sick jam and oh three, you know, you're like, Wow, this is this is pretty freaking awesome, you know, or two thousand one mm -hmm. or something, you know, this is awesome. You're not just like sharing it with everybody because you didn't really have the capability to. So it's like if you knew, you knew and it, it felt really special. You know, it was cool and something I was uh, always entrenched in, but I didn't go, I didn't go full on in until, you know, I did the, the road leading up to it, um, uh, into the it festival, which was phenomenal shows. Uh, yeah. Some of those July Oh three shows are great. Yeah. The end, especially the, the Pittsburgh one, the seven twenty nine or whatever it was. They, uh, it's, uh. Yeah, it's a Pittsburgh show, Burgettown Pavilion, and then they go to Camden for two nights, and then, and then it when I really was like, wow, I mean, you know, it said whatever it was in attendance on paper, but there's another twenty thousand that are walk through, and it felt, you know, basically about ninety thousand people just for one 
band for four guys and i was yeah, just crazy i finally got this sense i was like this is this is incredible this is something yeah. that i always want to be involved in. I, I'll, I'll never forget turning to my buddy and being like i always want to be seeing these guys and being getting this feeling you know so yeah it was awesome. There's nothing on earth like a fish concert, that's for sure. There's nothing on earth like a fish concert ever. And I always say this, too. There is no bigger party. And you could quote me on this, and everybody on the internet can. There is no bigger party than a yam party. It's just fact. <laughs> when, yeah. he, when he's throwing down, it's like you're I mean, you're linked in with the whole crowd to that. Yeah. Boy! That and, that and Tweezer. Oh, absolutely. And especially the Tweet Prize. But, you know, I just... I feel like everybody, even if it's your first show, they just feel inclined to like do a lot of dancing, a lot of involuntary body Absolutely. body movements going on during that. People are like, "What's going on?" I didn't even I know actually. I have I have a thing with Yem. Whenever I am with one of my friends who doesn't like fish or just someone who has never heard the song before, right before they get to the lyrics, I'm like, "Okay, I will pay you ten dollars right now if you can tell me what they're saying." And they're like, "Oh, okay." And then they sing the first, wash your face and drive it to fire. They're like, what? <laughs> I have never lost that bet. Which is, it's pretty it's a good bet to but, have. It's a good bet to so have. So talk to me, talk to me about the It Festival. What was, what was it like six months after your first show and, you know, having seen a bunch more, uh, you know, the week before or whatever, what was it like walking into this festival? I mean, first walking in, it was a moment because I believe after Camden, we and thank God we didn't head back to CT. We went right up. Um, it was like eighteen hours of traffic or something, you know. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> funny, funny about that is at the end of it, Trey was like, uh, "Next year, it too, traffic free entrance." And we know how the next year turned out. So, oh yeah. But uh, so you know, finally, and the traffic line was phenomenal. It was kind of one of the things that made it. I mean. You know, talking to people, getting stoked for it, listening to the bunny, uh, hearing stories of, you know, meeting people freaking longboarding up and down. They're like, you know, we did 94 tour. Uh, we're from out west. You know, it's it, it was really cool. But walking in, I'll never forget the gate. It's like. Uh, our intent is all for your delight. Yeah, our intent is your is your delight uh, just overhead. And we walked through it and I was like, man, this is pretty special. And uh the vibe was awesome. We happened, just so happened, to, where we parked, I was like, look at that tower. What do you think? That was like an old like air, uh, a landing tower for this base or something? My buddy was like, duh. And, you know, we started setting up. I wonder what it could be. Yeah, but, uh, you know, at, at the end of the first night, uh, it ended up being really cool because of that, uh, you know. I was like, what are they doing over there? You got to see some lights setting up, you know. And I was just on my buddy Eric's Pathfinder, uh, ripping tubes, watching the, the – this stuff unfold and i was like That's you know awesome. i'm not a vet i wasn't a vet you know i i didn't know i knew the tunes and stuff but i just didn't know i was like uh it was like see seeing the circuits for the first time right in front of my face you know it was pretty awesome that's that's awesome so that so, was the festival so going into day two when that ghost happened i mean i was on beyond cloud nine in terms of just like i mean and you already had that crazy chalk dust in the first set Oh yeah, it was the, the the first set was phenomenal too. It was pretty loaded with stuff, and uh, the chalk dust was like extra fast at the end. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that Wilson uh, Trey like forgot a little part, but they also played it fast, and uh, he claimed it. He was like, "That's the shortest Wilson ever in history." <laughs> I never, I remember, awesome. I remember he was like, "We're gonna play the biggest 
bittersweet motel in history ever. And uh, people were like booing. I was like, I'm down with that, you know, but <laughs> bring it. And then they, uh, they ended that set with a proper, proper Mike's groove. Awesome. And uh, it was cool. But I mean, the way that second set started with that Marley cover, Mellow Mood is probably one of my favorite covers they do. And I love when they like open the second set with kind of like an innocuous, like kind of slow cover. And then they launch into like some crazy jam, like, uh, the Baker's Dozen uh, on uh, Double Chocolate Night, like they did with opening the second set with Have Mercy and then tearing into a Chalk Dust, which is that Baker's Dozen Chalk Dust is my favorite fish jam of all time. Is it? That's good to know. That is one of up there with mine as well. Uh, funny fact, that was my senior yearbook quote. My mom was like, what does this mean? You know, what, what does this mean? But yeah, that Chalk Dust is... Mine was, uh, my uh, yearbook quote at the end of high school was... Uh, uh, been waiting for the time when I can finally say this has all been wonderful, but now I'm on my way. Oh, it's a classic one too. Yeah, they hook yeah. us in, man. They get they get lifelong fans. But going back to your first point, after we digressed, I mean, those ebbs and flows, that graph like pattern, where they're able to do that in shows, where you yeah. know, in the music industry, there's a lot of bands that can only start either they call it you know start at the bottom of the chairlift and working your way up in, ter- in terms of energy and. Some bands have a hard time starting up top with high energy. Some bands have a tr- trouble going back, regressing, going back and forth. Um, and so it's just really, it's uh, it's really cool what Fish is able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, having this copacetic vibe between the four of them, this unspoken thing where they can just jam the way they need to and have have it go up and down and and all make sense. You know, sometimes you get the most intense thing and you kind of, when you get a, a you know, a, a night nurse or something slow like that, it, it hits perfectly, you know, because yeah. you need it. And then all of a sudden you'll get a Carini and, you know, you feel like you put a football helmet on and go run the wishbone. Run through know? a wall. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You get that with stuff like, um, you know, a life boy in the middle of Mike's groove. Oh, that's or- beautiful. I think that was Miami either 09 or or the 14 15 they've done that a whole bunch of times that i uh, love that i love yeah. that but so let let's start talking about this ghost um one thing that stuck out to me about uh the it ghost that you picked is the first uh 15 minutes or so or um really reminded me a lot of the denver 97 ghost uh similar kind of jamming like high intensity tray soloing uh over the like the backbone of fishman's groove absolutely um, i mean in that first 15 minutes that's definitely happening even in the first really like uh, 18 minutes up to that uh, yeah. in addition though to start from the beginning i mean let's just they were patient slow very yeah. i mean very slow patient which leads to a big pocket and that slowness and that it's just was this is confidence uh that they that kind of they had and and definitely um Trey and the boys had, and it was slow and, and it built up well. And um, it, it wasn't like anybody shined uh, over anyone, especially in those first 18 minutes. They were all kind of in it at the same pace, all bringing something to it, which was a big thing in a, in a theme in 2.0, in my opinion.
I, I really like the way it, uh, it starts off as well, like just Fishman's drum beat, and the other three guys just gradually kind of join in as they start the song. That, was, that was cool. It is real cool, yeah. And they keep that theme going throughout probably the first you know eight minutes, but even through their jamming uh, while he's ripping it, 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 it builds. You know, basically the way I look at this ghost in a in a macro level is uh, together these guys symbiotically, you know, worked to brick by brick build up this ghost jam all the way to this uh, 19 minute mark where you can really start to see the jam go take off and it's very complete type two way that is without a doubt type two i see people on the internet bickering over whether you know one thing was type two one thing wasn't yeah this yeah. absolutely is absolutely it's, is and 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 then they start to deconstruct it brick by brick one by one you know until they rebuild it up and then at the end you know let it go gradually so it's it's just that it has all the right spots and at points it gets ominous you know it's dark. very well there, there's the hole in the in the back half of the jam uh, Trey's angry guitar loops, oh, which are I just there those. for like ten minutes. God, See, I love that, angry that's where, Trey. That's where we, that's I love it. Disagree. Really? I, I'm I'm really not as much of a fan as uh, of the back half of this ghost uh, as some people are. I mean, I get you, and you know, it it happens. Different errors. Getting used to, you know, uh, when you got into them, or probably there was different styles of play. Like three point is a different style of play. Um, as with the ghost jam that you picked, you know, um, and other jams in 3.0, which are phenomenal, but it kind of, they kind of only take, you know, maybe a few minutes, really eight minutes until they go in that type two direction and the one you chose, as opposed to going a lot longer. So it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I mean... It's really awesome. I do like the back half probably more than anything on it just because of especially like 19 minutes through the end, 20 minutes through the end. You know, they start building something around 20. It's like, oh, let me see what I have over here too. To me, to me, my my uh, my uh, issue or I, I guess um, missing the word here, but my, my main thing about the, the back half of the jam is um, after like the – first space out um at, at around like 21 22 minutes trey does something to his tone that takes it from the usual like thick 2.0 tone which i actually like to like kind of like scratchy and um to me it just didn't sound very good uh like kind of like sandpapery uh towards the end of the jam i could see i okay so now i know exactly what you're talking about and yeah. um so I could see that, and one thing to to point to that is um, he was taking chances, and uh, they all aren't afraid to take chances. But it's something with Trey that you see less of, and I and I mean they had to build back up to it from '09 into shoot. I remember Portland 2010 in the fall. I call that the Stella got her groove back show because they're in that undermined. You could tell they got comfortable and they started taking chances because the way this type of music where uh, we get these awesome jams is some chances are taken. So yeah, that tone definitely sounds dissonant, but it's almost, it's kind of meant to, to have that like, you know, effect laden type of like angry, you know, 
noise. And I think that guitar tone led to that. And, um, you know, I can understand why it doesn't fit with you, but maybe give it a couple more listens and you never know, you know, you're in the right frame of mind. It might really click with you. It's true. It's true. You do never know. I do. I do like, I mean, in the background, I, I also think he could have let the loops go a little bit earlier. Cause I found, um, you know, at, at some point they just kind of receded to the background and they were kind of like an angry buzzing that was just detracting from me, like trying to listen to, uh, you know, what the other guys were doing. Right. Right. And, uh, there's a lot of looping going on in that two th- from 2000 to 2004, yes. especially it got kind of weird in four, but it was able to work at points. But, uh, it's funny though. We are polar opposites. I actually love having that there work and having to work around it to hear the other, hmm. you know, guys, even though that's happening and it may feel like he's putting himself apart. I, I really feel they're all working together symbiotically and, uh, making that kind of spooky and a little scary, you know, taking people out on a trip in the middle of Maine, you know, and, uh, or limestone Maine out in Lauren Air Force Base, you know, you, you kind of got to have those jams where, um, you know, you kind of go out to space for a second and get a little evil before you come back. For me, those made for the most, have made for the most memorable um, type of two point, point uh, excuse me, uh, type two jams where I'm like, wow, where are we for a second? You know, or yeah. I believe people use now the term, you know, is this still a long boy? You know, yes. but uh <laughs> So it's cool that uh, this is the beautiful thing about this this music is we can talk for hours about stuff that we even have different opinions on, but it's so exactly. awesome, you know? Exactly. I also like uh, listening for similarities between uh, the two versions and kind of, you know, the way they approach quote-unquote evil jamming in the 2018 versus uh, 03. And it, it's very different because, yes. I mean, not only do they have, you know, different gear, but you know, it's 15 years later. Trey's not on Oxy anymore, um, and um, <laughs> that's exactly. I was I wasn't sure whether to bring that up or not, but yeah, that's exactly it. It's a huge and part of it. Yeah, gear. He's not on Oxy, so he's not. Yeah, he's he's not Oxy jamming, and he's not. We're not getting those loopers. Not to say that in '03 it wasn't working, and I don't condone and actually uh, hate all that stuff, and it's the worst thing ever, and taking so many good people, but. In 03, for him, a lot of times those chances he would take that you pointed out that you didn't like that one example would normally pay off to work. It just sounded a little more dissident right. than normal uh, in that jam. But to me, and I think to a lot of other fans, it uh, it definitely worked. Yeah, and I mean, for, for me, looking at one thing that sticks out to me in the Alpharetta 2018 version is, uh, I mean, Paige. Oh, you know, I think hero, especially since the since the late 90s and especially in the last few years with the addition of the uh, the synths that he's been using is absolutely crazy. He has been stepping way more out to the forefront. Yeah, uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more in the latter half of 3.0 last few years. I haven't been able to catch much shows because of uh, uh, work and, and with goose and what uh and whatnot but uh mm-hmm. before that tour, which is so pretty i mean awesome. it's it's i uh, couldn't ask for a better job in the world hanging out with my best friends and putting out music is phenomenal and just mm-hmm. to, to make people smile which is great but i learned that from the four boys from vermont the uh the you know 
the, the best band ever. And like, just to hear what they were doing is, is it was huge, you know, but, uh, but yeah. going back to that original point, um, before I stopped seeing a bunch of shows and I was still seeing them, it was just the theme was just Paige. Paige in his great shirts, freaking making <laughs> awesome jams. I'm like, look at him. He's in another little button down doing his thing up there. You know, we love Paige's new shirt. It's so nice. Yes. Yes. But uh, he really has been a late 3.0, just crushing it, crushing it it's, in these jams. It, and it, I noticed it, I think, man. it's the sense, and uh, he's taking some risk, and he's pushing the guys to do stuff, which I absolutely like. I, I can tell Mike is a big fan of, and they all they all are. I, uh, absolutely. I really like the uh, – I have that, the 12 to 18-minute mark of this jam roughly, roughly over there. There's like a – real spicy six minutes of it and it, and it's all really like page inspired and, and pushed mm-hmm. by him and i feel like other people get their ideas from him yeah you're talking about what after trey uh like brute forces the jam into the minor key and does that like like jagged i described it as uh kind of vamp as page starts i i think that's when page really starts to uh take lead on the jams when and i think yes you know you really see trey started stepping back more and letting them lead in 3.0 and you can see you know when he starts playing rhythm and page really comes out to the front and starts leading on whatever instrument and in his rake he's playing and it's, it's awesome it's awesome that was a great example of it and i mean yeah you let him sit back and before that mark too like uh you know, I think it, it was eight minutes into the song for me. I think I have here. I noticed mm-hmm. them like getting really blissful. Uh, yes, it was a real blissful kind of moment, and they really carried that vibe into Paige. You know, getting funky, and then Trey kind of picking up on that, and then throwing in a lot of freaking spice to that meatball. It's yeah, and, cool. and Paige gets this really nice repeated like arpeggiating uh, lick on the Wurlitzer. Uh, in that early part of the jam. I got it. My favorite uh, in his rig has got to be the Rhodes, though, especially with the 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 phaser on it that he's had since uh, 2018 or so. Like the heavier phaser sound, it's just so good. Yeah, I love and, it. I, I love the around... Rhodes. I mean, it's they sound good with anyone, but it's definitely I'd have to agree with you. It's my favorite uh, page vehicle. Yeah, my well. my favorite is when he hits uh, at around the 13 minute 40 second mark. Uh, page hits the roads and it's got that uh, the stereo effect going where it bounces from left to right in your headphones and that just feels like page is just wrapping you in a warm blanket of electric piano <laughs> yeah he is he I is love it. it's the best he's the best that's great 
especially as a keyboard player. It's just something that you know. Oh, you rock the uh, you rock the keys. That's awesome. I do. Are you in a band? It's uh, my dad, my brother, and I. We're a fish cover band. Dude, that is awesome. I love to. I love getting involved playing music and getting involved with your family is just phenomenal. That's awesome. It's amazing. Did you guys gig out maybe? Um, so we've played, uh, we, we have this annual, like every June there's this, um, uh, this one neighborhood in Toronto does like an open tuning festival where they, uh, you know, businesses and homes can host like a stage on their front lawn or in their back alley or something. And so one of my dad's friends who owns a business in the area has had us, uh, 2017, 2018 and 2019 to play. Uh, and those are our only three gigs. And then we did a number of live streams over uh, the spring and summer. Oh, dude. Uh, we did a couple awesome. in our backyard, uh, which were a are lot these, of fun. Are these online? I'm definitely going to have to check they them are. out. They oh. will, are. I will let you know. And I mean, if, if you're listening and you don't know uh, our band yet, we are Storm Free on social media with a PH. Yeah, go check out Storm Free and get involved with that, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so you were saying your brother's thirteen and he's yes, rocking he's out. Yes, he's thirteen. He's he plays drums. Uh, he's been playing since he was like I think three or four. Wow, uh, he's, he's just like had Benny. A, he's like Spuds, three or four. Yeah. He's he's, he's just way, had dude. an incredible sense of rhythm his whole life. And we got him like a my parents got him a little uh, small drum kit for his uh, I think fifth birthday. Um, and then you know he upgraded to the full one uh, I think three years ago. Um, but That's it's awesome. it's just yeah we've got a music room in our house my dad plays guitar and we, you guys uh you guys just need a cousin on bass or something yeah we got one of my dad's uh friends comes and plays bass with us for our gigs which is good awesome awesome i love it that's great yeah, it's awesome it's awesome uh but back to this ghost um one thing also um mike's uh alien synth bass effect uh, in the 2018 version yeah, uh, he got that uh, recently. I think in the last few years, but it's like, like that thing is crazy. When when you know when he turns it on. <laughs> oh, you can tell. Yeah, it's nutty. some some of the effects are more subtle when Trey or Mike turns it on, but that one, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's right in your face. It's yeah, kind like of right at the cool. fifteen minute mark or so, and that's when it like that really like makes the jam weird uh, in this one. And that's kind of what I love. I love getting weird. I love when they get weird. I mean, uh, it's definitely my favorite part of fish is the weirdness um, uh, of live fish. And uh, yeah, when he uses that effect, it's, it just skyrockets it into weird. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's it's funny. My, my wife, Bonnie pointed out, we were just, I had her listen to that version of the car and she's like, Oh, listen to Mike right here. And I'm like, yeah, this is where it gets going. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And my, Mike throughout this whole jam is just killing it. Mike, Mike in two as well, so good. And that that was like Crushing. Crushing. some of the peak Fishman and Mike years. Which I mean, I don't think they've ever had an off year. No, I mean, they without those guys, they're the heartbeat. They're the two and four of everything. But especially in two they were crushing, and it it, it was why. I, I, why Trey could get so far out there and they could still keep stuff locked in, you know? Yes. Well, there was, um, uh, in the, in the it version, um, I want to say before, uh, like 22, 23 minutes, um, fish starts like a very subtle beat. 
yes. out of like the space haze. And just as comes the rest of the band nowhere. is still going, and he's just starting like a. It's awesome. Just out of nowhere and just bringing it to a new direction. And that's that's that point where they start reconstructing block by block, you know, mm-hmm. this, this, the jam again to give it some energy. Um, and it, it's really cool to, to get it back to like a rocking section eventually. Yeah. And that little drum beat is what starts it all. And then eventually they wind down, but it's really cool that that's it. it he's the MV, I mean, Paige is doing great, but my all time MVP out of that group. And I love all, all the guys, but is Fishman, I mean, absolutely. That it's just what is be a band without beautiful fact. Yeah, uh, I remember taking uh Spuds, our drummer Benny Atkin, to uh, his first uh, fish show, and uh, him just watching watching what John does, you know, with his hands and whatnot. And Ben's one of the best drummers in the world, but I mean, seeing seeing hit John, he was just jawed. He was freaking jaw right. on the ground, and I was like, "What do you think?" He was like, "Wow, man." This is incredible. Yeah. One, one thing that I also love about Fishman's drumming is how he doesn't have to slam the drums, which, it, I mean, it's not a knock to drummers who slam. Like, you know, Spuds goes hard on the drums. Um, same with, like, Carter Beauford, Like Yeah, some is, people I mean, go hard. They write up in different styles. Influence. But I remember uh, there was an interview with Stuart Copeland um, from a bunch of years ago from when he went to see Fish because, you know, he was an oyster head or a train, whatever. And he he said like, you know, he was in the audience and he was listening to Fishman drum, being like, "Man, like this guy's crazy." And then he went side stage and he said like, "He's like Fishman's barely tapping the drums. Like, it looks. Like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, it looks. <laughs> he makes it look effortlessly. It's this. It's this. You know, dad bodded guy in a dress. Uh, yeah, looking, <laughs> making it look effortlessly. But there's just an immense an amount octopus. of sounds coming out. And the offbeat, I mean, he can get so offbeat and still stay. He gets the craziest time signatures sometimes, you know. Yeah. I mean, Mound, for example, and things like that, and jams where he can do that. It, it, well, it's and, nuts. in uh, in Hood, uh, in that one section of Hood, that dun 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 dun. Yep, dun, yeah, he like dun, slows dun, it down. <laughs> and he's playing a completely different time signature from the rest of the band, and I can't even like when I'm listening to it, I have a hard time focusing on his time signature let alone playing that on the drums. Yeah, I mean, counting it's it crazy. off, is, is, is it takes a bit, but it's really cool, and it's these little little subtleties that make them the best band out there and ever because of what they can do. Uh, yeah. that, that drives the improv, and that's just that's one thing that I loved about 2.0 and especially listening to 1.0, but having seen 2.0 shows, um, I really loved the, the improv uh, ability and the jamming and it, and it not to say that it doesn't happen 3.0 and not to say, I mean, that's where I've seen a, the huge, huge bulk of my shows and they've been freaking phenomenal, super Ted shows, but uh, different jams, just like, you know, as I mentioned, the different eras, there's been different jamming and uh, you know, it's yes. just, well, different I mean, styles. you've also unfortunately had to uh, see them less the past few years, which in my, like, those are my favorite years of the band. Like fall 2018 is my favorite fish tour. Oh yeah. I mean, um, it sounded great. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of improv as well, you mentioned earlier, you like how they take 15 minutes in the it goes to get to a type two zone. And I'm such a fan of the way they can get to that in zone in two, four two minutes, minutes now. now. Yeah. I remember page in the it documentary, um, 
made a comment about how, you know, sometimes their jams are so long because, you know, it takes them 20, 25 minutes to get to that the point. point. Yeah. And, and when they get to that point, it's like, okay. But now, like, you know, they don't need that time, which is so cool because they can get to that point in just a few minutes. Does it not feel forced a little bit sometimes when it's like that? Because, like, when I, when I hear, when I first put this version on, um, last week, I remember being like, they, they're, they're getting to type two kind of pretty quick here. And it's not necessarily that it's forced. I just, you know, it's, it just seems quicker. I was definitely, I'm definitely a fan of that patience. Uh, that slow build pocket, but it is still cool to get in that realm. Cause then things get weird sooner, you know? Yeah. Well, so. I mean, and I'm, I'm definitely in my, in the minority of fish fans here with my 3.0 centric. Uh, oh no, I would not say you're in the minority. I mean, there's a lot of awesome 3.0 fish fans. I mean, a lot of half of my friends, you know, I would, I remember in 2003 and four being in high school, always like, yo, let's go to Albany. Yo, come up to Boston for the 20th anniversary or come to these shows. And people were like, nah, only a couple people did and all those kids got way into it in 3.0 and there's been some excellent stuff. And although the last few years I due to, uh, working goose, um, I haven't been able to catch as much. I always catch, uh, the garden shows. Cause for me, it takes me you know, an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm in the parking garage at the good old parking lock right behind the garden, walking in with my crew, you know, roll with our buddy, Bruce, uh, who, so were you at all? Bruce. Were you at all? Bake all the Baker's dozen shows? Yeah, my friend Bruce and I did every single one. Uh, oh. My wife did almost all of them with us, and uh, I really, honestly, in three point um, I've only missed one MSG show. Which one? The 29th of this past run. Ah, that was a great show. At least you didn't miss the thirtieth. Oh no! I was at the thirtieth. Uh, I was uh, our buddy Bruce's hundredth show, and uh, oh, and what a and what a show for the hundredth! Yeah, it was uh, it was it was an incredible uh, show, and uh, we were actually fortunately somebody had gotten a box, and it was a great viewing, and uh, the band sounded so good. I mean, I just love seeing him at the Garden. It's, it's that's definitely... that's on my bucket list. The Garden is is the spot. That's the hometown hometown venue. I mean, I've seen them so many times there i've just seen so many sport sort sporting events there just been in that building so much it's iconic and i feel yeah. like they feel like it's home you know and uh another place that's that i like uh <clears throat> just as much i mean i think is just as, as special but indoor place to see him is uh the bill graham and uh san francisco. san francisco oh phenomenal i mean it's it's made for not sports for for music so it sounds so good everywhere you are there's yeah. not one bad place for sound. Not like there really is in the garden either, especially the new garden. I mean, it sounds good everywhere, even behind the stage. But yeah, classic, classic places to see the band. There are probably yeah, places I, I've I'm, seen like 70 shows between the both of those places there. So it's a fish. As it stands right now, hopefully I will be at the garden for next year's New Year's run. Let's do it, dude. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be hanging out. We'll be, uh, let's watch some fish together in well, the garden. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll get to meet you at a goose show before then. Oh yeah, I'm already assuming you're going to meet me at a goose show before then. I'm assuming like a buffalo, or maybe we get up to Toronto. See, yes. See, I, I'm upset because uh, I, I like I knew of goose in fall 2019, but I, I hadn't really, you know, like I, I had watched part of the Peach Fest set at that point, I think, and I knew like. 
Arcadia. And I, I like, they weren't really on my radar, and I'm mad that they weren't because I would have been in Buffalo at that insane show that just got uh, put out on vinyl. Everything happens for a reason. Funny, uh, funny little ins- little thing with that show. Awesome, it's great. It's on vinyl. If you haven't gotten it, go out and check it out because it's flames. But I was in your homeland that night. Uh, I was not at the show. Um, you weren't. Our great no. I had I had gotten married just a few weeks before, and uh, it was kind of a fall of weddings for me. A, a great friend of mine had had who lives in Toronto. Um, Arlene got married that night, and oh. my wife was in the wedding, and uh, it kills me to sit out of a show, and I really haven't done it in a long time. But uh, they were like, they were like, oh coach isn't going to be here let's play a four song first set <laughs> yeah it's on fire you know i remember uh i remember getting texts from uh our buddy jared that was helping out and doing some stuff that night and uh he was asking me questions of what they're doing and i was like listening to some stuff i'm like they're crushing right now oh my god yeah. this is a special show and i asked peter for the file like immediately and had to listen and i was like God, this was a great wedding, but man, my boys are crushed crushed it last night. <laughs> yeah. I uh I what 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 really like when I really got into Goose it was in February. I was on YouTube and the uh the the Williamsburg hot tea video uh popped up in my recommended and I was like, Okay, I'll check this out. And then I watched it and I was immediately in love. It's uh that was a fun show. We yeah, did that two- that Two New yeah. York shows. They were really, they were really energetic, really fun. I think we debuted uh, "Nights in White Satin" at one of those two shows, either the Bowery or Williamsburg. That was Williamsburg, I believe. We had, uh, we were real fortunate to have a really awesome year. Um, amidst all this, as Trey would say, in a world gone mad, you know. Uh, yeah. We were able to start the year off in Mexico, opening for the Dead, which is something that which is crazy. Unbelievable. I, what was unbelievable. that for you? Uh, as a lifelong dead fan, I, I mean, I don't know how I mean, they reached out to you guys and asked, but it's just, what was that like for you? It's really hard to put into words. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget seeing an email when in the talks first started happening. And uh, this is a bit before my wedding. And uh, I'm looking at an email and I uh, it's literally I start tearing up. And my wife, uh, you know, or at the time, fiance was like, Oh, are you excited for the wedding? That's cute. And I was like, no, no, we're gonna, I think we're going to open for the dead in Mexico. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, starts crying, too. We're yeah. both just, like, so happy. And, uh, it so was I assume, did you get, to, you get to meet the band when you were down there? Um, no, we got to say what's up to O'Teal, great guy. I said what up to – That's uh, sick. I got to say what up to Mickey, uh, which was awesome. And a uh, little brief thing with Kreutzman, but not Bob. And uh, John, definitely not John. They were doing their thing, but we got to break in that main stage. Yeah, uh, I saw, which it. was awesome. And uh, and, knowing that and Fish would be on that later, you know, it was just so cool. Yes, and you all wore the jean shorts for one of the nights too. Oh yeah, so they, I, I made a big point of that. I was like, we got to do George to be funny to troll Bob. You know, um, yes. I thought two things. You know, let's play because we we have some dead tunes in our repertoire. Me and my uncle, Love Light. Half step. I love the half step. One more Saturday. Before the rain out, the first night on the main stage, we were set to do one more Saturday. But anyway, so we did those tunes and also then the jorts. And I remember some people like Rick, like, I don't have them. And I was like, oh, I brought like three pairs of jeans. Let's cut them up, you know? (laughs) And a cup. I think Peter was ready because Peter is always ready. That's just how he is. And uh, 
and it was awesome, you know, and, uh, it, it was, it was really cool. I remember, uh, talking to Jerry's daughter, Trixie, meeting her there and phenomenal woman. And she thought it was super cool and whatnot and, uh, funny. And it was just, uh, it, it was surreal, but the whole, whole crowd was really digging it. Getty had lights. Uh, we had programmed, uh, to kind of be all over the resort cause it was a pool set, but, um, we, him and I did lights for circles around the sun late night, which was before ours at the same stage the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were able to kind of set things up. And, uh, so we had lights going to like the the surrounding nine pool decks. So, I mean, if you were within like even a quarter mile, uh, you know, maybe, uh, eighth of a mile, you could still hear it and you're seeing light movers and stuff. So it was attracting people to it and people were everywhere. It was a, phenomenal experience that's um, awesome have you have you seen fish in mexico yeah i went the uh i went the first two years they did it down in mexico uh, nice. i think the 16 and 17 yeah the uh, first year that sunday was my 150th i believe oh awesome i i that's that's also on my bucket list to see them on the beach excuse me 250th the second the second sunday of the second year of it was my 250th. Yeah, that was a funny, fun run. Ooh. That was a fun, fun run. That was yeah, awesome. I mean, in the last two years, the runs they've played there. Have been oh, I, I listened to them. I was like, damn, whoever last year, people who were in Mexico, I just, uh, real envious. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal fish, but that's what's awesome about it. When you're not there, you see stuff you want to be at, and you're like, oh, man. You know, they got me. Yeah. So it, when you guys are, I mean, I know you guys were on goose tour last February uh, when fish was playing, but do, did you guys like, listen, do you guys like listen to the shows uh, in the van? Um, Not all the time, just uh, cause we're doing stuff between, you know, mix remixing shows as we're driving, oh, actually wow. driving the vans, you know, ourselves, Trevor driving or me driving and, or being co-pilot, you know, people working and stuff like that. And Ben, you know, watching Netflix and doing his thing. And, uh, but, uh, one specifically, I remember we were driving back and we put on that Alpine Ruby waves show and we just happened to listen to it. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God, uh, Olivia's pool. I was like, this is phenomenal. I was like, let's keep this rolling. You know, that was like, uh, Peter and I were loving it. Trevor, we were all loving it, man. It was a fun night. Yeah. And there's other times where like, I'm definitely pulling pulling up set lists and seeing stuff like that and just checking out what's going on. Or like, uh, for example, the show, The Ghost You Picked Out, I remember having streamed that show because we were home between shows and whatnot. And I remember just, you know, throwing that on. So on the road, we do listen to some fish, not as much. Like we, don't, we listen to it on the iPod. Bring it in live is tough sometimes to time up, but. Mm-hmm. That and the Met show. I know we were driving. We had some shows, and when they played at the Met, we had we were listening to that. It was awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's it's so cool. Like, you know, watching you guys on stage together, and watching you like during Bingo Tour, uh, watching you in the room with them, and calling out the balls, and like, you know, like you were like basically running around like on the quote unquote stage the whole time as they were playing, and it was. I just remember it was really fun watching you like dance with the with the five of them and stuff. It was, it was I mean, cool. you know, it's uh, it's they're, they're my best friends in the world, and uh, always knew this could could happen from the night I 
we, I told Rick, you know, we, we got to get this band going. And I told Trevor that we we're going to, we we're going to make it happen. Don't worry. And this, that's a vision I had and dancing to them when they're playing some of the best music. It's just, it's so good. And, um, honestly the, the jams I'm hearing right now are, you know, some of the best, it, it's just been satisfying my soul. I mean, me not seeing fish all the time for the last few years, normally I'd have an itch that I wouldn't be able to scratch. Like, you know, that gap between 04 and 09, there was a lot of itching to scratch. I couldn't find, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was tough. And, uh, the boys, uh, definitely, especially as they progress and evolve every single night since, you know, 17, 18 have given me that itch. They've scratched that itch for me. They, 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 they do great. And, uh, they're getting to be more and more adult as I call them. I'm like, Oh, okay. You guys just sound like grownups. You guys sound like adults finally, you know, and, but I'm yeah. just fucking with them. But yeah, it's fun getting involved and uh, dancing with them. That bingo tour was a cool, cool concept. We had an idea of just while we we're on the road spitballing about what we could do for a live show once. And, uh, oh, let's pull bingo balls and, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's have fans be, be able to be interactive. I'll pull the ball, you know, show it to you guys, you know. Get involved. And, and yeah, that's something we always used to, I used to say, and uh, it's cool that we were able to bring that concept to uh, streaming because, uh, you know, as, as amazing as streams are, for me, it just feels, they just felt always felt a little disconnected than the real show. You know, it's great. You can use right. your own bathroom, get your own food, use your own bong, do whatever. But, you know, you got your buddy calling you on the phone. You got your roommate talking to your dogs. You got to go out, something. Right, exactly. So I feel like, a concert to me is 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 my religion. It's a, it's a place where I can go escape for three four hours and forget about the problems going on uh, in my life or in the world, and just really get submerged into that for a few hours. That's that's kind of my my thing. Um, another reason why I love two point There was just a little blocked phones. You know, nobody was on the phone all the time. And right. It was different, but uh. The way we were able to make this bingo tour, that bingo tour interactive, uh, felt a little more right because you know we didn't know what was coming next, and people didn't know. So if you're invo- got had gotten involved, you're like, you feel involved, you feel connected, you felt more of that like I gotta pay attention vibe, right. and I feel like it was more than just your typical stream, which I was very proud to be involved with, and uh, just love our team for the creativity and and more so having the visions and, and making them happen, put them to fruition, which is, you know, it's hard. Absolutely. And, and from my point of view as well for bingo tour, that was my first real uh, deep dive into the band. Um, you know, I, I listened to like a few songs from a few different shows before, and I was kind of going with like, you know, hot tea. Were you watching that like as songs. it was unfolding? I was. So yes, I did watch oh, bingo. Wow. Tour. Wow. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. So that was my first, you know, I was like, um, in the weeks leading up to it, I was like, am I going to watch this? Uh, I don't know. And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to watch this. Like, what else am I going to do? So I, I got the thing, and I I was very frustrated by the fact that I didn't win bingo. Yeah. Um, there was, I think it was night three where I hit a ton of balls, but they were all over the place. All over the board. Right. And so, and night three screwed my chances of winning on night four. <laughs> you know, I mean, the balls don't lie, dude. It, they, uh, they were coming. Well, out I remember trip. I was listening to the, uh, the jam base podcast with Rick and Peter from uh, a couple of weeks ago. And they were saying like, after night one, uh, people were like, Oh, like 
maybe they've rigged it like so it like it, it does come up like they with thought it was all Netflix. rigged yeah but and then wasn't. night two happened boom night two and it's like whoa like we you think we want to be doing this opener. you know <laughs> like yeah. you can't make that shit up you know what i mean to quote my friend marshall branch you cannot make that shit up so yeah it and was really what, cool what did you going back to what i my point about a festival kind of or streaming not being as similar to a real concert event. How, and since you saw Bingo Tour, how'd you feel of it? You know, like, were you waking up every day? Like, I'm going to watch it at this time. I'm stoked. Like similar to like, Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. I was, I was I, like in June, I was like, like I got another goose show tonight and I was like, yeah, oh, okay. I, <laughs> you know, I, the, the first night it was really, I mean, the first night in the first set was that crazy drive. Um, Nuts which I loved, which the, the take a lap jam was crazy. Um, <laughs> but um, that, but that jam was when it like clicked for me. I was like, Oh, like, like this band. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I woke up the next morning. I was like, all right, I'm ready for night two. Um, one thing I did want to, you know, from bingo tour that really stuck out to me was most bands when they play a rotation jam, it's kind of like a shtick and it's like, kind of like, ha ha, it sounds bad. Cause they're all playing different instruments. But the rotation jam from Bingo Tour, so good. Money, baby. Shmoney. It's so good. Yeah, right. It was nice. Now, I I do think that's that's partially due to uh, Spud's kind of cheating and going to percussion. Right, and I'm <laughs> and I'm you know call him out, let him know, let Spud know, like take a chance. He you know hop on keyboard. You played keyboard when you were three or four. It was your first instrument, but yeah, <laughs> partially. But also, let's not forget. Uh, my man, my man Rick is uh, was a drummer as well, and he yeah. he can hit him pretty well. But uh, absolutely, Dineon Dini the... bass uh, really. I was about to say holding it down because he played bass for Great Blue, and then Trevor finding that lick, and then cut, them kind of just getting going was was real cool. But um, going yeah, well, going back to our boys with Wolf, if you have you seen a Walfredo live by chance? I have not. Um, I. I've Never. seen the song and you know page on drums, man. I mean, they, it, it, it's a great song. They, they pull it off, you know, it's in the yeah. funny fish way. And, uh, Mike, it, it you know, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor reminded me of Mike, you know, uh, seeing him rip those solos. And I mean, shit, speaking about it, I remember going to hang out with Peter Weeks, uh, Trevor's older brother. That's how I know Trev and, uh, oh, such yeah. good friends. And, uh, I walk into their house one day and I hear, I think it was the waves. And I'm like, that's, that's from it. And I walk up to uh, the guest room and it's Trevor and a bunch of my younger friends now from uh, Wilton that, you know, I had known and they're watching. I'm like, how'd you get this footage? And they're like, it's a DVD man. And I didn't even realize it on DVD. So that's like kind of a big time when Trevor and I clicked was seeing that. It DVD. Over it. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. awesome. He's like, did you go? I was like, yeah, that's definitely it. But uh, you know, that's, that, that was cool, man. Yeah, I, I remember with the rotation jam and uh, Handini on bass. I had I had listened to on on re-listen. There was like a you know bootleg version of Bingo Tour that was up there for you know the remainder of 2020. And I was listening to it. And I was like, this is sick. But then you get the remixed audio that came out last week. Yeah, well, um, which was... um, Peter does the mixing for it. Yeah, Peter's mixing in post. I mean, uh, Sam Bardani is mixing live and doing some, yeah. some phenomenal stuff. So everything comes out pretty top notch, and then yeah, everything sounds phenomenal. Peter but goes they, in and post, and um, you know touches things up and does does what he does, yeah. and he's a 
That's why he's, uh, you know, the whiz kid, a.k.a. Handini, because he just makes it happen. Yeah, well, well, yes. And I wanted to say his his baselines in that in that rotation jam are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. It, it set it set the tone for Trevor doing that little solo. And yeah. it was so fun. I mean, I was most excited. That was one of the balls I was most excited for when we were coming up with ball ideas. And I was just like. I want to hear what these guys do. And they were, they were stoked for it too. That's the thing. Um, going back to why, why I love fish so much and why so many of us love fish so much is taking chances where we get these awesome jams. And uh, we were just having fun, man. And the boys weren't afraid to just take a chance and yeah. uh, lean into it. And I mean, we should do that with everything in life almost, but especially when you're playing music. It's really cool. I think that's a phenomenal place to wrap up the episode. Uh, I just want to say thank you so, so much, Coach, for being on today. This was such a pleasure oh, talking dude, fish thanks. and goose and everything with you. Thanks for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, to talk about fish with a fellow fan and uh, just, yeah. just dive deep into the nerdiness that is uh, us and what we love doing and why we, we do what we do, you know. So thank Absolutely. you. Of course. My pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, have a fantastic day. I'll see you next time. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.